Hello, heathens, and welcome to Spinning the Wheel podcast with me, your decaying host, Megan Angus. This week, I'm creeping around, covered in ergot, rustling through your grain storage, waiting to fuck up your Christmas. <laughs> okay, uh, this week we are looking at the astrology, the lunar phases, the heliacal risings of fixed stars, and the holy days of Samhain season, waning moon in Virgo, lunar week 40 by some lunar calendars around the planet. Uh, first off, let me say thank you so much to everyone who has been sending in comments about the podcast. <laughs> oh my God. It is really wonderful to hear how much this is affecting you. Um, it's affecting me too. I love doing this work. It's been really amazing. I want to keep doing it. <laughs> um, and I also feel like I'm hanging out with you, even though I am yelling alone in my house. <laughs> um, I do, you know, imagine that you are all here with me <laughs> without, uh, you know, without the loss of toilet paper. <laughs> um, if you love this podcast, here's the shill. If you love this podcast, you can support this work through Patreon. Thank you to all my patrons. Oh my God. Um, and you can sub there from a dollar a month up uh, to be able to support this work. You can also leave a review on your uh, favored podcast service, wherever it is that you listen to this uh, program. Um, and if you are feeling especially fancy, you can leave a thumbs up or a heart or a like or a whatever the thing is. Okay. And also, you've heard it here first, folks. I will be announcing some workshops and some standalone classes very, very soon on tarot and paganism and witchcraft other than the Wheel of the Year classes. This is something different. Um, these classes all will be limited entry. Uh, my patrons will have first access to sign up and then folks that are following my newsletter. And then I'll announce these classes on social media. Full warning, um, the last tarot class that I put up sold out very, very quickly once I announced it on social media. So plan accordingly. Um, again, you can sign up to my patron, um, but you can also sign up to my newsletter through my website and, um, it is infrequent, but I do send it out from time to time. Okay. Uh, the shill is over. On with the shoe. All right. This week, we don't have a whole lot going on in terms of holy days and festivals, uh, but we do have some big ones. And we do have some very potent ones, which is pretty cool. Um, and we also, but, and we also have some pretty uh, hefty astrology, not astrology that's necessarily asking us to do a whole lot of work, but it's a lot of astrology for one little period of time. So let's get into it. Okay. I know that these stores are jam packed with fucking ho ho bullshit, but, um, 
we're still in Samhain season. And I will say that at the end of November and the beginning of December until the things change. <laughs> so you've been warned, okay? I am still over here bah-humbugging it up, all right? <laughs> it's motherfucking Samhain season, and I don't want to hear shit about it, okay? Thank you. Moving on. Um, what are our Samhain season themes and what's our witch's work? I've been saying this every week, but I really like orienting you guys on the wheel every week so that we are reaffirming our themes that we're working with. Um, we are touching base on the life, death, rebirth process, and that is going to, um, come into focus this week. Uh, we are working with fate and we are working with ancestors in our global themes, um, that we see in ancient and modern holidays around the planet. We have endings and beginnings, transformations, fate and rites of passage, sex, death, and chaos. Um, and you know, uh, throughout Samhain season, we will see, all of these themes repeated over and over in various mixtures and combinations. A little more emphasis on this, a little more emphasis on that, but very centered on this collection of stuff. Okay, so our lunar week kicks off on uh, November 27th with a waning half moon in Virgo at five degrees. This is going to be exact at 4.27 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, later in the day for everybody else around the planet. And this moon really emphasizes being alone. Not surprising for a Virgo moon, right? Virgo tends to kind of emphasize the solitary, the alone, the solo. Um, but in particular, this moon is really about... Um, kind of the grim work of setting boundaries and reinforcing those boundaries and reinforcing the end of things, reinforcing the, um, the, the border of, of where the energy has to stop, where the cycle has to end. Um, you know, very in theme with, with this time of year, isn't it? Right. Uh, so this, this moon is a lot about um, cutting the cord um, being in solitary meditation, um, choosing to move with the group and then choosing to go back to being alone. Um, and, uh, you know, really like being straight with yourself about those places where, um, your commitments to people or systems or whatever are getting in the way of you moving to your own rhythm and you listening to your own, you know, inner compass and, and all of that stuff. So this moon is really, really about coming back into what do I need? How do I need to be moving? And I told you, no, <laughs> I told you this was done. I told you this is over. Uh, I have to hold this line firm here. This fence is going to stay up that thing. Okay. For our lunar body, we are resting, relaxing, nourishing, supporting, or otherwise restoring the upper digestive organs and systems. So that's our gallbladders and all of that stuff. And as I say every week, I am not a medical doctor. I am a doctor of the moon and stars. Uh, so if you want to incorporate any of the information um, or ideas uh, contained in the lunar body work from this podcast, check in with your trusted health advisor uh, before proceeding. Um, 
but there is a rhythm to caring for the body and working with the body and its systems that could be influenced by the moon and its rhythms. Um, sometimes that's really potent for people, and sometimes that is a system that is not very um, uh, influential on their physiology. But there's other biorhythmic uh, systems that they follow that are so, you know, the moon is just one of them. Um, for our plant body work, when the moon is in Virgo, we're not doing anything with our plants. We're not touching them. If anything, um, you might uh, work on the structure for your plant. You might feed your plant, maybe, but go light. Um, it's a great time to do research on what would be good for your plant and support it for your plants. Um, but otherwise, leave them alone. And there is no astrology of note for this day. And we only have uh, one holy day to mention. It's, you know, not just one day. It's a month-long festival that kicks off on this day, but just the one. And it is Brumalia from our Roman ancestors. Um, this runs from approximately November 27th to December 27th. And this basically kicks off the winter festival season for ancient Romans, um, honoring Saturn and Cronus, uh, Ceres and Demeter and Bacchus in some situations. This festival was absolutely celebrated in the ancient eras, but it, uh, it was recorded to have been celebrated in Constantinople up through the 11th century. So this was one of those that ran for a very, very long time. Um, you know, a lot of Roman life, especially during classical antiquity, centered on um, agriculture and military and farming. And, you know, it, it, life was hard. You, you had to work at it a lot. And the, the short portion of the year after the crops were pulled in and, you know, during winter when it was wet enough that nothing was really going to grow, cold enough that nothing was really going to grow, was this, you know, opportunity for people to play and have fun. Remember last week in the podcast, we talked about the Mercatus, that enforced shopping thing that the Roman government was like, no, 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 we got to get people back into the markets. <laughs> Bromalia is one of those festivals that would have been taking people away from the city center and, uh, you know, would have been... Um, an opportunity for them to hold this sort of welcome into winter kind of festival. Um, there was, uh, you know, sacrifices, which are very common during that time. Um, uh, farmers and vine growers and all of those folks. Uh, but, um, you know, for the most part, it was, it was playing and having a, a good time. So yeah, anyways, we have this winter festival, uh, month-long kickoff that ends with Saturnalia. It leads up to Saturnalia. Okay, that brings us to November 28th. We still have our waning moon hanging out in Virgo, so we are still doing that Virgo moon work. Uh, for our astrology on this day, we have... Mercury conjunct the sun at six degrees of Sagittarius at exactly 1218 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Uh, this is also referred to as Kazemi. You will hear some astrologers say this is uh, Mercury Kazemi the sun or Mercury is Kazemi, meaning 
Mercury is conjunct the sun. Um, and in Sagittarius, no less. Uh, so this is a very philosophical, expansive, uh, generously minded uh, Mercury and Sun conjunction. And really, when we have this going on, this is a day to absolutely express yourself. Um, communications deluxe, comms deluxe is <laughs> what I have in my notes. And it really is lots of communication, lots of texts, phone calls, emails, notes left by the door, all of that kind of stuff. Um, things can feel very charged on a day like this. Things can feel very electric. Um, and that's very cool because uh, we have three pretty important holidays uh, kicking off on November 28th. Um, the first one is uh, November 28th to December 24th. We have Advent from our Catholic friends and family. Um, this is the month-long season, basically, um, that leads up to the Nativity of Christ or the birth of Christ, Christ Mass or Christmas. You may have heard of it. Um, so this is, you know, the month leading up to that. We have Advent calendars and all of that fun stuff, right? Um, this is the start of the liturgical year in Western Christianity. It's part of the wider Christmas and holiday season. Um, and specifically, the word Advent um means the coming or the arrival. And it comes from the Greek parousia uh, in the New Testament. This is the term used for the second coming of Christ. And so the season of Advent for Christians um, and for Catholics is a, sort of a triple coming. <laughs> there is the coming of Christ from three different perspectives. There's the physical nativity in Bethlehem. There's the reception of Christ in the heart of the believer. And then there's the eschatological second coming or the belief that Jesus is going to rise from the dead or come back in another incarnation as himself. So the ad, so Advent season sort of celebrates that whole thing. Also kicking off on this day, now I guess I should say this, that Advent kicks off um, on November 28th every year. But this year, on November 28th, Hanukkah also starts. Um, and that's really cool. Now, you know, side note, Hanukkah, also known as the Festival of Lights, um, specifically, this comes from the Wikipedia page, so <laughs> God is blessed. Um, this is commemorating the recovery of Jerusalem and the subsequent rededication of the Second Temple at the beginning of the Maccabean Revolt against the Secludian Empire. You, you didn't know all that? <laughs> Hanukkah actually wasn't that big of a deal. It's a, it's a very small holiday in the Jewish year. It's important, but it's not as important um, as like Sukkot, for example. Um, or Rosh Hashanah, you know, like that's, that's New Year's. That, that's a big deal. But because Christmas time is such a big deal in America, Hanukkah as the holiday that generally falls right around this time of year and relatively close to winter solstice, um, has sort of become the default thing. Um, uh, there's probably some conjecture around that as well, but you know, uh, one of the biggest Elements of Hanukkah, of course, is the menorah, uh, which is the candle holder that holds nine candles. The center candle is called the attendant or uh, shamash, 
and uh, each night one additional candle is lit on the menorah. Um, there are festivals including songs, um, people play with dreidels, which is a traditional toy. Um, there are uh, traditional foods like latkes um, and dairy foods and, and all kind of yummy stuff like that. So that's what's up on that day. Uh, well, I should say that's what's up with Hanukkah. So we have Advent have happening on this day. We have Hanukkah happening starting on this same day um, with this Mercury conjunct the sun. And also on this day from our Gnostic friends and ancestors, we have the day of Sophia. Um, Sophia in Gnosticism is uh, a feminine figure and she is analogous to the human soul but is also simultaneously um, one of the feminine aspects of God. Uh, specifically, I guess, another way to put this is that Gnostics held that she was the, the, um, the syzygy, basically like the female twin of the divine aeon of Jesus. Um, kind of like the bride of Christ. <laughs> um, and I know it's a lot of Jesus stuff in this week's podcast. I apologize. <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot of Jesus right off the bat here. Um, but it, it's important because there was, you know, there's been different eras to Christianity and different things celebrated at different times. Um, and in a very early, early form of Christianity, uh, the the divine feminine was a much, much bigger deal. And so here at the beginning of this month, leading up to winter solstice, we have uh, the, the day of Sophia. Um, she is basically like a, she's like a bridge between divinity and humanity. And she's knowledge. This is also very important with some other days that are coming up this week. Um, but she really is the embodiment of divine knowing, divine wisdom. Um, and that is a painful place to be sometimes, to be wise, to know, right? We have that phrase of the idea of like, ignorance is bliss. Um, well, then what, what is knowing, right? <laughs> uh, and this is a divinity that is of knowing, that is, that is awareness. Um, anyways, this is, uh, uh, an archetype that is really incredible to work with and an archetype that we are going to see repeated a few more times in the next couple of days. All right. November 29th, our waning moon enters Libra. Um, and this is a moon that is really kind of calling us back into the body. It ultimately is going to be balsamic, uh, balsamic moon in Libra the next day. So I'm going to get into it a little bit more under November 30th, but it enters pretty early on November 29th. So you have some time to work with it on this day. Um, you know, that Virgo moon was asking us to be alone in terms of like setting our boundaries and really saying like, no, to the energy that we have been giving others or other systems or whatever that like, it's not helping us. Right. Um, and now this is a day to like turn that into a bit of sweetness for yourself. Um, and really, really 
<laughs> be sweet to yourself. Absolutely. Okay. Um, for our, like I said, I'm going to get into it a little bit more on the next day. Uh, for our lunar body, we are resting, relaxing, supporting, nourishing, or otherwise restoring, resting our lower digestive organs and systems. So not exactly the waste systems. We'll get to that when the moon moves into Scorpio, but the stage is just before that. Um, and so when the moon is moving through Virgo and Libra, we really are working with the, a lot of our internal organs, um, and specifically the, the higher end of the digestive system, and then down into the lower end of the digestive system. And we can always work with the metaphor of that too, of, am I digesting things properly in my life? Am I holding on to stuff? Is this, is this, um, stirring up my gall, you know, <laughs> right. Um, you know, is, is that thing, right. We can, we don't have to always work with the, we don't have to work with the symbolism always on the physical level and we can, but we can also work with the metaphor of it as well. So this is a good time to ask ourselves, am I processing my stuff? Like I'm thinking about things and I'm having stuff come at me and I'm having things come up from in me. But am I digesting this? Am I processing it through and ultimately getting ready to what? Poop it out, right? <laughs> like, and ultimately what? Turn that into compost, right? <laughs> and grow some really amazing tomatoes in a few months with my issues that I have processed. <laughs> That's what it's all about. That really is the metaphor. Um, and this portion of the wheel is about tearing it down, letting it fall apart, letting it decay, letting it rot, letting it really come apart. And that is scary for just about all of us. We would prefer to have order in our life. <laughs> we would prefer to have um, things that make sense and a pattern to follow or at least to recognize and harmonize with. Um, and this portion of the wheel is about undoing um, backwards and wrong and bent and, you know, from underneath and from outside. And, um, and it, it sets us on edge. It's unsettling for us. And that's okay. <laughs> it's okay to be unsettled. Um, it's a cool, fun place to be some of the time, <laughs> some of the time, some. <laughs> okay, let me now move on to the astrology of November 29th, because we have a lot of stuff going on on this day. So we have Mars in Scorpio, trine Neptune in Pisces at 20 degrees. Also on this same day, we have Mercury in Sagittarius, trine Chiron in Aries at eight degrees. And we have Mercury in Sag, sextile Saturn in Aquarius at eight degrees. And these three transits harmonize so well in such a really cool, weird way. Uh, it, it's just neat to see the stuff line up sometimes, you know, because on the surface, these three don't feel like they necessarily have anything to do with each other. And they totally do. So first off, I want to start with the, the Mars trine Neptune. Um, now on the surface, this is encouraging spiritual work 
or working at our spirituality, um, researching into how you and all the other people in your life relate to each other and the universe, you know, just that not a big deal. Right. <laughs> but, um, specifically, this is a really great day to work with, um, a spirit of true self-sacrifice. It's a great day to help others. And we have that come up a lot this week as well. Um, but specifically it is a, honestly, oddly a really great day to look objectively at your life and see what it needs it is a really great time to look at your life and your world objectively and see what it really is without judging it or condemning it and just seeing it for what it is seeing it for all of its flaws and its warts and its lovely wonders and just being like cool right on i'm i i get that I grok that, I believe, is something that the kids might say. Um, and so how that sits really nicely with these other two transits is Mercury and Sag, trying Chiron and Aries, really brings in this um, moment of feeling very comfortable with your wound, feeling very comfortable with the awkward and weird and like never has fit correctly parts of yourself. That's the stuff that Chiron really represents in us is the, the sacred wound that we all carry. And on this day with Mercury and Sag, uh, this, this trine with Mercury, it's very much like, and I'm cool with this today. Like I get where this comes from and I understand why I have it and what I could possibly do with it. And that it's totally okay to be, super weird in this way. It's totally okay for me to be weird in this way. Um, we also find it more easy to integrate the wisdom from our personal wound with this kind of um, transit. Like Mercury is really like, here I'm putting words to this and I'm bringing up this experience from the unconscious or from the depths into the conscious realm and into the conscious light to put words to it, to be able for the sense of self to be able to integrate this thing in a conscious way, really, really potent stuff. And then we have, you know, at the same time, basically Mercury is also sextiling Saturn. And so we are able to look at our life with this really critical eye and see what needs to be changed or corrected, but not from a judgy place. We're not critiquing ourselves. We're just being super real with like, here's what we've got. Here's how this thing works. Here's what that thing does. Let's go. Let's build the thing. Um, and so how cool is that to have these three, um, you know, astrological aspects having it on the same day within this season right? Of Samhain, where we're really sort of digging up and unearthing the, the murky depths of our own shadow self, right? And the murky depths of like the funky stuff that we've been handed from past generations and, you know, all of that ooky work. Um, this is a season that really, really dials a lot of that stuff in. And here's this day where we get to sit and be like, yep. And here's, here's all of my weird parts and here's exactly where they go and what they're for. And I'm, I'm totally okay with the places where I'm really weird. I absolutely love this kind of astrology. It's very exciting to me, clearly. 
Okay. So then also on this day, we have a feast to Hathor as Sekhmet. Um, this is from our Egyptian friends and ancestors. Sekhmet uh, was a warrior goddess, is a warrior goddess, I should say, as well as a goddess of healing. She is depicted as a lioness. She was also seen as a great protector of the pharaohs and led them into warfare. But she also, upon their death, uh, would continue to protect them, bearing them into the afterlife. And so this is Hathor, the great goddess of life, death, rebirth, and all, <laughs> um, as Sekhmet, sort of donning the crown of Sekhmet. And I think, you know, overseeing uh, the lands of the dead, overseeing the opening of the gates to the lands of the dead, and all of these sort of wintertime, you know, post-Isis-Osiris festivals that would be happening at this time of year. All right, let's move on to November 30th. All right, November 30th, we have our balsamic moon in Libra exactly at 24 degrees at 6.07 p.m. Pacific Standard Time later in the day for everybody else around the planet. Um, as I was saying before, this is absolutely a moon to first and foremost come back to your body, come back to your sensuality, come back to your creativity and your beauty and all of that stuff. Do it to you and for you first and foremost. And then as we move through the moon in Libra, if you would like to bring in an, your lover or lovers, one more or four or more, <laughs> um, do that. Um, and keep the energy centered on beauty and, uh, you know, the, the senses, uh, sensualness. Um, and that can be sexual too, but it's first and foremost sensual, as in oriented to delighting the senses. Touch, taste, smell, hearing, scent, all of it right? So it should smell good. It should taste good. It should look good, like all of the stuff, everything drenched in velvet. Hooray. Okay. Um, as I mentioned for our lunar body work, resting, relaxing, restoring, supporting, and otherwise nourishing, resting, what have you, the lower digestive organs and systems and our plant body work. I think I forgot to say this for yesterday. We're doing nothing still while the moon is moving through Libra, we are doing nothing to our plants in terms of like, you know, trimming them or, or grafting or any of that stuff. But um, this is a cute day or cute days to wipe down your potted plants and give them a good dusting. You might wipe down the leaves of your plants and give them a good dusting. Um, you might spin your plants. You might reorganize them to be more aesthetically appealing. Maybe put some new decorations up, dust off the plant stands, that kind of thing. Very appropriate in that way. Okay, now let us move on to the astrology of November 30th. Um, we have three pieces of astrology for this day as well. Like I said, we have a lot of astrology for this week, but thankfully, I don't think anyways, any of this, the astrology is too heavy. I think it's all very relatively light, <laughs> right? The work to, the day before, even though it's kind of heavy work, it's still very positive and it's like encouraging work, right? Okay. So on this day, we have the sun in Sagittarius, 
trine Chiron in Aries at eight degrees. It was Mercury yesterday and now it's set sun today. Um, Venus in Capricorn sextiling Neptune in Pisces at 20 degrees. And then we also have the sun in Sagittarius sextile Saturn in Aquarius at eight degrees. So we just had the sun and Mercury conjunct a couple of days ago. Mercury moves just a little bit faster than the sun. So it is scooting on and making these transits the next day. And then here comes the sun right behind it, making the transits the following day. So, okay. What does this get us? Well, um, first and foremost, uh, I will say that this day may have two different flavors where the day before the Mars and the Mercury and this and that all kind of like hugged up together and really were all dynamically on the same page. This day, the transits are not so much on the same page. So you may have a day that feels very flowy, very romantic, very dreamy and creative and sensitive and artistic. It might be a day of taking in art at the gallery or listening to music or, you know, like designing fashion or drawing or painting or making love or writing poetry or you get my drift, right? Okay. You might have a day that feels like that. It's like there is no sense of time. Everything is just luscious and wonderful. Or you may have a day where you are really driven to like get stuff done. Um, feeling very orderly. We're putting things in order. We're organizing things. Uh, we're cleaning and we're putting stuff where it belongs. That aspect is the sun in Sagittarius sextile Saturn in Aquarius at eight degrees. It's like, yeah, no, I'm here to get stuff done. Not necessarily anything that's like, super hardcore requiring detail attention, but generally like, yeah, let's get stuff organized in the house, you know, or that kind of stuff. Very, very yes to that. Um, all matters relating to like your work and career stuff are favored on this day. So if you have to make a decision on this day, it's probably going to be a good day for it. Um, you know, or like planning things out or organizing stuff at your job would be like wonderful. But at the same time, we have this Venus and Capricorn sextile Neptune in Pisces that's like, I'd rather just well wear this silk robe and lay around and eat bonbons all day. Thank you very much. <laughs> and so either way, we have the Sun in Sagittarius trying Chiron retrograde in Aries at eight degrees. And this just like the Mercury transit to Chiron is another transit that really provides this very smooth flow in your psychological process around your sacred wound and what that means to your sense of self and where does this all belong in your life and what can you do with it and all of that stuff. You know, it's a day that you feel very comfortable with your weirdness and your awkwardness and your pain or your shame or your funkiness that you carry with you. We, it's another day of like feeling okay with it. So either we're doing organizing around that or we're, you know, doing body painting around that. But either way, <laughs> it's another day of like really processing like, no, I'm weird in this way. And that is beautiful. That is really awesome and good. Um, and here's how humanity benefits from me being this total freaking oddball alien creature. You're welcome. <laughs> All right. Also on this day, we have uh, two holy days. Like I said, very short on the holy days this week, right? Very trimmed up. All right. One, we have St. Andrew's Day's 
St. Andrew's Day from our Catholic friends and ancestors. Um, St. Andrew is the disciple in the New Testament who introduced his brother, the Apostle Peter, to Jesus. Um, so we can blame St. Andrew for a lot of things because he was the wingman that like kicked off a lot of stuff. Okay, whatever. <laughs> More importantly, St. Andrew's Day in Scotland and in lots of other parts of Europe, especially all throughout Slavic Europe, St. Andrew's Day kicks off winter festivities and sort of the month leading up to uh, winter solstice. Um, and so this is really important, right? Again, we're in Samhain season, but the last month of Samhain season ruled by Sagittarius, a mutable sign. And so very much this energy of we are transforming from this sort of wet, mushy rot and decay into the frozen bones of the earth <laughs> in wintertime. Um, also on this day, uh, we have the day of Mawu. Uh, Mawu, alternatively, Mahu is a creator goddess associated with the sun and the moon in Dahomey mythology, and she oversees the powers of life and death as well. So again, here is another great goddess um, from a pantheon that oversees life and death having a holiday at this time of year, right? Just like Hathor as Sekhmet. So pay attention, pay attention. Um, you know, these, these great goddesses overseeing this gateway, but also these great goddesses that have the secrets, that have the wisdom, that know the, the, the secrets of life and death being venerated at this time of year, particularly in this week, right after the sun has moved into Sagittarius. Mm-hmm. See, I told you guys last week, didn't I? I told you. All right, let's move on to December 1st. All right, December 1st, our waning moon enters Scorpio. Uh, we worked with this uh, lunar phase and sign last month. Um, and I believe that this is the last time that we're going to see the moon in Scorpio in this phase for a while. I think so. Might be wrong about that. We might have one more month of it. Um, but either way, we, we worked with this last month. We're here we are again. Um, and we are truly in this waning moon um, in Scorpio phase. We are truly considering uh, that life, death, rebirth process for ourselves. We are looking back over our life. Um, at the like incredibly profound moments of transformation that life has demanded from us. <laughs> um, never asked, right? <laughs> Just like, nope, you're changing like this. Yeah, we're killing all of that off. Okay, now. Uh, no, you can't take a bag. <laughs> no, you cannot pack a lunch. <laughs> we're doing this now. Um, and so we are, we're taking some time to really consider like the times when we have faced profound transformations or um, if we haven't gone through a profound transformation, we are taking an opportunity to consider what that might be like for ourselves. Like if I had to give up something, what would it feel like, you know, death to give up, right? Like what in my life would be like, if I stopped doing that, I wouldn't be myself anymore. That thing, that kind of stuff. Um, like last month, also, this is a really great time to do work for people in your community, in your friend groups, in your family that are going through it. Um, 
who have gone through a really profound transformation of some kind and are still reeling from that. They're still uh, healing from that. Perhaps they are experiencing PTSD um, or like post-trauma from an experience that they have been in. Perhaps they are, you know, still dealing with uh, the aftermath of cancer or, um, you know, surgery or, uh, you know, a profound breakup or whatever, just like that thing, like coming in, checking on your people and making sure that they are doing okay. And maybe even not really demanding anything from them of just showing up and being like, Hey, I bought dinner. We're watching a movie. You don't have to talk. We're just going to hang out. <laughs> um, that type of stuff. That's what's up for this waning moon in Scorpio heavy work, but that's what's up when we're working with Scorpio. It's always heavy. Um, for our lunar body work, we are resting, relaxing, nourishing, supporting, and otherwise restoring the sex, pleasure, reproduction, and waste organs and systems. And depending on how hard we blew it out while the <laughs> moon was moving through Libra, this might be coming at just the right time, right? <laughs> and for our plant body work, we are planting transplanting and grafting specifically for below ground growth. So where it is that we want to stimulate and support root growth and soil health is where we are doing that stuff. Okay. <clears throat> also on this day for our astrology, we have just a little old moment of Neptune stationing direct at 20 degrees of Pisces at exactly 5.22 a.m. Pacific Standard Time later in the day for everybody else, as we like to say here on the cast. Uh, what are we doing with this? Well, first off, let's note no, uh, Neptune is squaring the nodes right now um, that are just about to be leaving Sagittarius and Gemini, moving into Taurus and uh, Scorpio. Um, I put up an extra podcast on my Patreon for my patrons um, covering the nodes within the eclipse season that we are in and like what that might look like depending on where it is moving in your natal chart. Um, but specifically this is squaring the nodes. And for me, this Neptune stationing direct is a moment where truly we really see the beauty in the imperfection of life. Like where we find a moment where we are okay with knowing that we're never no, going to know it all. Um, you know, believing that sometimes we can't believe what we believe. Um, and sometimes we are going to believe things that are total nonsense and we're still going to believe them. Um, and that the world is irrational and life is pretty wild and <laughs> it's not fair. Um, and it's, you know, pretty surreal and kooky a lot of the time. And, that's just what it is, at least for now. That's how life is on Earth. Not to say that we shouldn't still try to be good people and do good things and make good things happen, but just really coming to a moment of acceptance of there will this we cannot perfect this. There is no perfection. The beauty is in the imperfection. The beauty is in the horror and the exaltation of this reality. 
that's that's what's up. Um, it's about believing in, like having a moment of believing in your ability to establish an inner sense of peace while continuing to stay vulnerable and stay connected with your fellow humans. Because isn't that one of the things, right? Like, I can be peaceful if I'm totally alone. That's what our Virgo moon at the beginning of the week is saying, is like, screw these people. I tried. Yeah, it's not worth the effort. I'd rather just stay alone. And this Neptune stationing direct is kind of a reprieve from that solitary vibe of like, none of us have ever gone it alone. And it has always been goofy. There has always been broken parts. There has always been stuff that is absolutely horrific. There has always been stuff that is absolutely beautiful and incredible. That is humanity. So I, I look forward to this Neptune stationing direct as a real moment of like coming almost into being a, a moment of like rectifying our sorrow and our deep love for the species and everything that we are as this wild creature hurtling through space on a rock. <laughs> we all need more drugs. <laughs> Side note with Neptune stationing direct. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> Neptune's time in Pisces has been really wild and really, really incredible. And it has been really intense as well. Um, and it's not going to leave this sign anytime soon. So the fog is not going to necessarily lift, right? But I feel like this is a moment of like getting your bearings in the fog and like being okay with fog <laughs> for a change. Um, could be also a day where like you have a real deep push to study the occult, practice your psychic skills, you know, have a, a mystical conversation with your deities, that kind of stuff too. It could be really straightforward and, and direct kind of work like that. Uh, all right, let us now take a look at the fixed stars and holy days of November. No, December 1st. <laughs> okay. On December 1st, we have the heliacal rising of the fixed star Han. H-A-N. Yeah, like Han Solo. <laughs> okay. Um, this fixed star gets overlooked because it's basically at the same degree as a much more infamous or famous fixed star Antares, which we will talk about in just a few minutes. Um, but I wanted to talk about it because... It sits within Antares and it does a lot of the work that that fixed star does, but it also links us to some of the fixed stars that we talked about last week and the week before that are about the serpent handler, Ophicius, and the serpent specifically that's in their hand. And that idea of the wound, the poison, and the medicine all being the same thing Han sits in that conversation. It continues the theme of putting the knowledge to useful purpose. And it hints at added strength from the proximity of Antares within the same degree. So again, we'll get more into that symbolism tom tomorrow, quote unquote, in a few minutes when we talk about Antares. But uh, Han is sort of emphasizing and tying together through these many days, this idea of the poison, the wound, and the medicine 
all in the same experience and learning how to take the hard thing and turn it into something um, powerful and healing for yourself and for others. Okay. Our holy days on this day, um, other than that one, we have uh, World AIDS Day. This is a global international day dedicated to raising awareness of the AIDS pandemic caused by the spread of HIV infection and mourning those who have died of the disease needlessly, I might add, because we just saw over the last two years how quickly a vaccine for a virus can be created when the world decides to throw its money behind something that is actually going to kill it. Um, you know, ha if AIDS had rolled out <laughs> being a hell of a lot faster, uh, we might have, you know, our inoculation every month or every six months <laughs> against AIDS. Um, it's, it's not something that can't be solved. It's something that just isn't being solved. I could go on and on about it, but I'm not going to. Okay. Also on this day, we have a day to the goddess Minerva from our Roman ancestors. Minerva uh, is a Roman goddess of wisdom, strategic warfare, justice, law, victory, and the sponsor of arts, trade, strategy, um, she was not considered to be a violent warrior goddess, but a defensive goddess, like a goddess of defense and defending or protection, you might say. Um, and with this big long list of stuff, we didn't really get into it too much, you know, a few minutes ago, but this all describes the goddess, the Egyptian goddess Sekhmet as well. We talk about Sekhmet a lot more during Lunasad season, a uh, Lunasa Lamas season. Um, but she absolutely is a goddess that oversees law and justice and the balance of scales and um, all it's sort of the order of society and all of that stuff. So Minerva also oversees all of that stuff. Um, she is uh, often compared to the Greek goddess Athena, um, and she was one of the three really big, big deities for Romans celebrated along with Jupiter and Juno. Uh, she was a virgin goddess of music and poetry and medicine and wisdom and commerce and weaving and the crafts. And that whole description really connects her to Brigid. And in fact, she is a cognate of Brigantia or Brigide or Breed. Um, so those goddesses are connected. Uh, she was all often depicted uh, with her sacred creature, an owl, usually named the Owl of Minerva oddly enough. Um, and the owl symbolizes her association with wisdom and knowledge as well as less frequent, frequent excuse me, as well as less frequently the snake and the olive tree. Hello, the snake. Hello. What? <laughs> um, hello. <laughs> Romans often considered her to be the plan for the universe personified. So here we have another wisdom goddess who is also a protector, um, who is a snake handler uh, associated with snakes. What? <laughs> Coming in here at the very, very end of fall in this last time period, a personification of wisdom 
a great protector, that thing. Her name, Minerva, stems from the Proto-Italic Menezwo, which means intelligent or understanding, and ultimately it comes from the Proto-Indo-European Minos, which means thought, um, provided with a mind, intelligent, that thing. So she literally is the embodiment of thought and rational thinking. Again, very like Sophia, wisdom, thought, knowledge, um, all of that stuff. Um, and, you know, along with everything else that she's doing, connecting to Sekhmet, connecting to Bridget, but can, you know, sort of, we're seeing across the week here, as we step into Sagittarius season, this reiteration of, we are coming into a time period of the crone, truly, as the embodiment of knowledge, wisdom, experience, information, all of that stuff. Also on this day, we have the day of red Tara from our Buddhist friends and ancestors. Now, the Taras are this amazing collection of goddesses. In some pathways for Buddhists and Hindus, there's just one Tara. For other uh, groups, there's a bunch of different Taras. Some groups see her as the mother of all Buddhas, um, but she appears as a female bodhisattva and uh, is also a female Buddha in some forms of Buddhism. She's known as the mother of liberation and she represents the virtues of um, success and work um, and achievement. Tara is also known as a savioress and a heavenly deity who hears the cries of beings experiencing misery in samsara, AKA this reality. Um, she may ultimately be a form of Durga. And Red Tara in particular is also called Pavari Tara, or the Tara who is swift and heroic. Um, and she is red colored. She has eight arms holding a bell, a Vajra, a bow and arrow, a wheel, a conch, a sword, and a noose, which are very, very similar to the weapons and accoutrements that Durga carries. Um, in this form as Red Tara, she is a protector, she is a defensive goddess, um, and she magnetizes things and attracts them as well. Uh, really, really potent stuff. So this idea over and over and over again, really being reiterated here of this great sacred goddess protector of knowledge. Um, lots of weaponry with these goddesses, bows and arrows. Oh wait, Sagittarius season. Isn't Sagittarius the archer? I'm sure it's just a coincidence. Let's move on to December 2nd. All right, December 2nd, and we still have our waning moon hanging out in Scorpio, doing its freaky Scorpio business, so we love that. We have no astrology of note for this day, and technically we have no holy days for this day either, which is pretty cool. <laughs> we do have a heliacal rising of a fixed star, though, and it is a fixed star of some import. So... We do have that, um, but we don't get days like this very often, clearly, right? I've had a lot to say about just about every single day of the calendar year throughout this year of podcasts. So it's very unusual that we have a day 
with no holy day or holy festival, past or present. I mean, we may have month-long festivals happening, but we don't have anything of this day. And then to also have no astrology, take the day off. Enjoy yourself. Go run around with your pants off all day. The gods aren't paying attention. It's fantastic. <laughs> we, got a, we got a free one, kids. Take it. Use it. Okay. But we do have this heliacal rising of this fixed, this fixed star, so let's talk about it. Um, I am going to read more or less uh, directly from uh, the West, the website uh, Astrology King and his information that he has about um, fixed stars because uh, it's 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 really good. Um, I'm not going to necessarily read all of it, but but a piece or a few pieces of it, specifically this. Um, the traditional name Antares is from the ancient Greek and it means anti Aries. This is literally the rival of the planet Mars. Antares is one of the 15 Behenian fixed stars. Um, and this is a collection of fixed stars that are really, really important in planetary magic and other ceremonial magical practices and other uh, religious and magical uh, knowledge collections, <laughs> wisdom collections. Um, the, this is thought of as like the prime star of Scorpio. And its name means, as I said, the rival to Mars or anti-Aries, anti-Mars. In the night sky, it is often more visible than the planet Mars itself because it is so bright and it's so red. Now, here's where things get interesting. In Babylon, it was called Urbat, U-R-B-A-T, Urbat. In the constellation Horus, which was the divine protector. Hello? What? <laughs> now, the Babylonian title brings us to this star's role as one of the four archangel stars. We have Fomalhut, which connects to Gabriel, Aldebaran, which connects to Michael, Regulus, which connects to Raphael, and now Antares, which connects to Uriel. The city of Ur, U R, where Abraham was born, is said to have been the first city to be built after the great disaster and was given the name of Earth itself, Urs, U R S. That city stood close to the site of later Babylon itself, not too far from the modern Baghdad. Uriel, the archangel, not mentioned in the sacred texts made available to the public, was the one who had the secret knowledge of the great disaster and only revealed it to those judged able to accept it and still believe in the divine goodness in all that befalls us. Now, have we not talked about that all week long <laughs> in our astrology, in our lunar phases, and in the, in the the holy days that we are experiencing throughout this week, the different myths and archetypes that we're working with, it all is centering in this idea of witnessing how gnarly the world is and being able to love it at the same time. Now, there's more to this anti-Aries thing because uh, in if you are in the Northern Hemisphere and you're looking at the sky, um, as Scorpio, the constellation is coming up, the constellation of Aries is actually heading down uh, in the in the west. 
So it's literally setting, right? The the hero that is represented by Ares energy is setting while this other protector energy is coming up, maybe to take its place. Um, you know, we could think of these as the two, you know, halves of the year, right? We kind of have worked with that symbolism quite a bit as well during this this portion of the wheel. So um just really, really cool connection throughout the week of this idea of witnessing how gross shit can be, how weird stuff can be, how awkward, how uncomfortable, and saying to ourselves, I'm still, I'm still going for this. I'm still in love with it. I still embrace it. I still am here. I'm still doing this. Um, and I'm letting it affect me. And I'm, uh, and I'm going to be in that process and really authentic in that process too. Oh, such potent stuff for us to work with. Okay. That my friends is it for the week. I know that this is a bit short compared to what we normally do, but Hey, there's a lot going on. We're coming into the quote unquote holiday season. <laughs> it's always holiday season, bitch. You want to listen to the podcast? No, but seriously, we've all got, you know, family obligations, work obligations, all the stuff, right? Um, so as I always say, you have permission to put yourself in timeout if somebody is uh, saying something stupid, um, if somebody is triggering you, if somebody is trying to get under your skin, if somebody continuously refers to an old or dead version of yourself, you are totally given permission by me, your witch, uh, to put yourself in timeout, to walk around the block, to drive to the store for more whipped cream and take an hour and a half to do so. Whatever, right? <laughs> you do whatever you have to do to get through this season alive. That's, I give you my permission to do that. <laughs> um, if you celebrate stuff at this time of year with your family, I hope it's wonderful. Um, or at least not as bad as it was last time. Um, <laughs> if you are really doing it up, you are protesting with your family at this time of year, right? <laughs> you're out there feeding people and you're doing charitable works in your community with your family at this time of year, as well as staying home and keeping your feet warm, you know, doing that thing. Um, uh, it sounds like I'm not going to talk to you again for a long time. I don't know why I'm saying it this way. Like, take care of yourself, honey. I'll see you soon. It's probably just going to be about a week from now. <laughs> oh, man. What is time, right? Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> it feels like a lot. All right. I'm going to stop there. Uh, I love you all. Thank you so much for listening. Um, and, uh, I know I've said this before, but really, thanks for doing the work. Thanks for doing the work. Because nobody else is going to do your work for you. And every time we improve ourselves a little bit, we make it better for everybody else around us. Um, and so, thanks. <laughs> thanks for being willing to face the really gross, weird, awkward shit in yourself and find a way to lovingly live with it um, and be less of a burden on the people around you and the community at large. <laughs> Me too, right? <laughs> but really, it, it sucks. And we have a lot of things in our world 
that are offering bliss through ignorance and distraction through consumption um, as a means of avoiding or putting off this work or even acknowledging that we are aware that we have work to do. Um, so every time you choose to engage your racist biases, every time you choose to engage um, your, you know, questionings around um, your political beliefs or your religious beliefs or like, you know, tr trying to deal with a, a gnarly past from an ancestor. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It fucking sucks. And we have to do it. So thank you for doing it. Blessed be.